Welcome to Tea Fascination with Andy and Nick. In this week's episode, we discuss afternoon tea, and Andy has an interview with Angela from Destination Tea. So, if you've ever sat and wondered what a great thing to do for your mom on Mother's Day might be, something original and different, uh, we've all had that problem. We've all had that conundrum. And this year, I decided that I was going to take my mom, who's never been to the UK, to a proper afternoon high tea. Um, And it's going to be different everywhere you go, right? Um, For me, I've been lucky enough to have uh, afternoon and high tea in the UK and in the U.S. at multiple different locations. And the one thing that I've learned is there's always going to be something unique about where you're having the tea, something regional, something local. But at the end of the day, when it comes back down to the original concept of an afternoon or high tea, there is a there is a way for it to be done properly. And and Andy, like I'm telling you, I'm I have learned more about tea and about you know like in just this instance, the afternoon high tea. I've learned so much about this in the last few weeks. And, uh, and I'm really looking forward to getting into talking about uh, afternoon tea and, and where it came from uh, and, and, and what, you've, what, what kind of thoughts you've got put together on this for us this week. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about afternoon tea too. And one of the reasons I think it's so cool is that it usually is like a very pleasant time. It's like, you know, you put all your differences aside and you sit down and you just enjoy yourself and talk about pleasantries. Um, There's a famous writer, Chaim Potok, and he said, come let us have some tea and continue to talk about happy things. And I do think that's one of the great things about tea because, you know, you're not having to debate. There's no, you know, it's just, you know, just little chit chat. And um, it was designed that way um, by Anna, the Duchess of Bedford in 1840, although people think it was basically happened before then, but she was the one that made it trendy and popular. Sure. So we're just going to say she invented it. Even I'm down though, with that. you know. Yes, yes. Okay. So she gets the credit. She did. So around four o'clock PM, she would get like hangry, right? Because dinner was, um, Push to after eight. Sure. And um, our, in our interview with Angela, she talks about why dinner was so late because um, mm. it was when electricity was invented. So they kind of had that now they could have dinner later. Sure. So it was fashionable to have dinner after eight. So you're thinking, you know, you're eating at noon, eight. Like that's a big time span without eating. Yep. So yeah, she would definitely, you know, crash. And so she would have um, tea. Bread and butter and cake brought her room around four o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then she began inviting friends over, right? Because, you know, you don't want to sit there by yourself. You want no. to have friends. No. And so, you know, if you fast forward to 1880s, like 40 years later, the trend had definitely caught on um, in, in the, you know, kind of elite um, circles. And society women began, you know, dressing and hats and gloves were required. And they would um, host tea for their friends in their drawing rooms. Sure. Which is kind of, you know, cool. So it became, you know, the tea party basically was born, I guess. Absolutely. And that's kind of more celebrating the social aspect of it. Yeah. And status as well. Because at that time, like, tea was quite dear, wasn't it? That's right. It was super expensive. Um, And 
one of the, you know, it was so expensive because it was an import, it was from China, and there was definitely a difference of who could afford to drink tea and who couldn't. One of the things that, you know, they talk about were that they would lock the tea caddies in a cabinet and, you know, the only person who had access to it was the lady of the house. So if you're having to lock it up, you know, like the liquor these days, there's a reason you're locking it up. (laughs) Right on. They had special tables called tea poise and they were made of rosewood. They're really pretty. Some of them are elaborately carved and stuff. And it actually had in it like a little box where you would lock the tea caddy and the tea away. So, so, so the tea caddy was incorporated into the table. Yeah, it's it was really like an cool. all-in-one piece. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. And they're just like they were literally designed there for you to just have tea on. So it definitely became like such a part of society that it has like its own little accoutrement, so to speak. Sure. So yeah, and um. We mentioned that it was expensive, but it started to fall in price as tea was being imported from India. And um, there were laws that were passed that reduced the taxes on teas, which then reduced the cost of it. Mm -hmm. And um, so it wasn't an import from China so much because there was India. The East India India Company lost its monopoly on the China tea trade, um, and that helped reduce costs. And that was done by the act Um, of the British Prime Minister Charles Gray, Mm -hmm. which is what he invented Earl Gray. Okay. So maybe one day we'll talk about him. But yeah, so he is very famous in the tea world, A, because he helped, you know, tea become more available to the masses. And accessible. And accessible. And he, you know, created the Earl Gray tea blend. Um, I guess. I mean, that's also a whole nother story in and of itself. I don't (laughs) want to get sidetracked. But anyway, so high tea was different from afternoon tea because the price of tea started to drop. Mm -hmm. And so then tea became more available to the masses. So then high tea started to kind of pop up. And um, it was very different. That's how different they were. Um, High tea was enjoyed by the working class and afternoon tea by the upper class. Okay. Afternoon tea was enjoyed like kind of sitting on comfy sofas. Sure. And high tea was eaten standing up to like a high boy. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And um, that's why they call it high tea. And high tea was um, more of a meal. And afternoon tea was like what I call it, liner or dunch in between. Right, right, right. (laughs) Lunch and dinner. Um, and so, or lupper, I guess if you're going to in that between would, supper, lunch yeah, and lunch supper, and supper, yep, that right. would work as well. And um, high tea included savory items, kind of in lieu of the delicate sweets. But with afternoon tea, you know, if, especially if you're wearing gloves and holding a saucer, you need like little tiny things that you can kind of put in your mouth. Delicate bites. Delicate bites. Delicate right. bites. Yes. No crumbs allowed. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, afternoon tea became kind of a rite of passage because. As like all these delicate bites and you know, you're holding your teacup a certain way, mm. all of these rules started to kind of develop. Like what's the proper etiquette for afternoon tea? I mean, you have to think. Okay. You're putting on your bonnet, grabbing your fancy gloves, holding a tea and a saucer. And so there became like these almost rituals, I guess, around afternoon tea. And um, one of the ones was like, there was a proper way to sip tea and cool tea. And so they'd have like these saucers, but the saucers were kind of like bowls because they were sure. from China. Right. And so they'd pour the tea in the saucer first, let it cool, and then pour it back in the cup so you could sip it delicately without like burning yourself. Mm-hmm. You never served yourself. 
um, was one of the rules too. And you, it was a certain way to stir tea. You use like a clockwise motion, but you only went on like half the cup. For some reason, you could never like do a, like a, a full, full twirl. Yeah, okay. not allowed. Right, right, right. So anyway, and then there was an order of what you should eat and how you should eat things too. Okay. And that was, you know, based on kind of the specific um the specific menu of afternoon tea. Although it's weird because you ask some people what the proper menu for afternoon tea is and they'll give you a different explanation for the other people. So I think part of it is based on locale for sure. You know, yes. what's proper. Yes. Region by region, you might have a different like set of, of ing- uh, not ingredients, but um, like fillings in a sandwich perhaps. You know, yeah. it would vary by region to region. Like if you were kind of on the northeastern coast of England, you might have like like smoked fish mm-hmm. or something like that, um, you know, that you might not get somewhere else. So, yeah, I mean, I can totally see how it would vary by region to region. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's interesting too. We talked when we mentioned um, Angela from Destination Tea, but when we talk to her later, she'll kind of mention how it's exciting how people are kind of putting their own cultural influences on tea. Mm-hmm. So she mentions a Mexican restaurant that does a formal afternoon tea, but they do empanadas. Okay. So yeah, so I mean, it's it's I think it's interesting how the menus vary, but usually a menu for afternoon tea includes like sandwiches because, you know, the Anna, the Duchess of Bedford, do use bread and butter, so sure. their sandwiches there kind of replace that. And they're usually cut with like the crust off, like there's yes. a proper way to cut them. Absolutely. And they're not like a full size like piece of bread either. Right. I mean, the crusts are going to be cut off and it's going to be about half the size. Right. Or at least in my experience, yes. that's what I've seen. Because they're like delicate cuts? Very, very delicate. Very, very, very fancy. And then scones were introduced until like the 20th century, so they were kind of later. And the clotted cream was done later. It, I guess it progressed. The menu progressed. And, and I would like to interject at this point, right? Okay. Um, while we do speak English in the United States of America, right? We, we are very much a country separated by the same language, okay? Because when you're talking about things like, if you say to me, like as an American, a biscuit, I'm thinking about something I'm going to have for breakfast. Buttered biscuit, right. whatever, sausage biscuit, <laughs> right? But when you are talking to somebody who's British or from the UK, when you talk about a biscuit, that's not a that's it's a totally different thing. It's almost like a cookie, it's okay? Like a stale cookie. It, it, well, that that's true. <laughs> I'm that's sorry. T- I actually don't mind them. I actually don't mind them. Um, but 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 the, but while we are a people separated by a common language, you say scone, right? You, you know, if you've never had the opportunity to travel overseas or go to have a proper afternoon tea, like you might not know what a scone is. So a scone is more like, imagine like a dense biscuit, right? Um, and they're really tasty, but like with the clotted cream, like on the surface when you hear clotted cream, that doesn't sound nice, but it actually really is. And you spread okay. that on with the strawberry, like yeah. with the preserves or whatever, or the, it, 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 it's actually really, really cool. But like when you think about like how, you know, how things are from different, from region to region um, and, and how terms are different, and everything else, I, I think it's just really cool um, how you know how things can be so different yet so similar at I mean, the same I do time. Think, I think the whole biscuit analogy is really cool because, like in the South, like don't mess with my biscuit. Exactly. If I don't exactly. have a real biscuit, and you're giving me a cookie. That's gonna be. That's, that's gonna be good. really confusing that's for everybody. Right. And you know what's funny, right? Is it like 
Um, you know, everybody, like maybe from household to household, it varies about how you make a proper cup of tea. Okay, so like if you're gonna make a cup of tea, like in in my in my family, right, and from where our family goes, in like where the rest of my family is in the northeast of the UK, um, near Whitby, um, you, you always put the milk in the cup first. That is actually they had talked about that in when I was reading about afternoon tea, and they did say that that was I think actually part of the etiquette. Yes. Yeah. It's so crazy because like I the first time I made tea for my wife when we were dating, like I definitely didn't do it that way, and she looked at me and she's like, "Are you a savage?" And I'm yeah. like, "No, I'm not a savage. I just don't know how to make a proper cup of tea." And 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 that's the thing that I learned is that you know, hey, milk and the tea bag go in first. And then the hot water on top, or you know, if that's how you're gonna make it in, in like a mug, right? Yeah. So you know, so if you're making like, but but a cup of tea, whether you're gonna have it, you know, in a mug or out of a, a teapot, you know, the the milk goes in first. So in, if anybody ever wonders that, I'm telling you, that's a good way to stay on side. Milk in first. I do have to say it too. Now um, with tea, a lot of times they're they're using loose tea in an oh, afternoon yeah. tea versus a tea bag, which I think is good. I don't know. I just you have more control over the you know the strength or whatever, but it makes and it you can it, refine it. Yeah, that it makes way. it a little more formal in my in my opinion. Um, high tea, the menu was different than afternoon tea, and there weren't weren't as many rules. Right, because we're talking like the difference between classes. A bit more relaxed. That's right. It's a bit more relaxed. So they'd have tea, bread, vegetables, cheese, meat. Okay. It was like a heartier meal. So I think now the terms afternoon tea and high tea are interchangeable. Yeah, I think you're right. They are. But it used to be that they weren't. And it was a lot of it was just, like I said, based on the classes and then also based on the menu. So... Um, when you, you know, now when you hear the terms high tea and afternoon tea, just remember that, you know, they're used fairly interchangeable, especially here in America. And I do think that even the Ritz in London, they now call it high tea. Sure. Primarily because um, it's kind of what now is like used to kind of a catch all, I would say. Mm. And you know the great thing is, right, is you, you would sit here and think like we're talking about something that's distinctly like not American. It is something that is British and has its mm-hmm. roots in other places. And you're like, you know, well, where can I do that? I'm telling you right now, there are places all over that do serve a, a true, like properly enjoyable mm-hmm. high tea afternoon tea experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I actually got to take my mom to afternoon tea. Um, and it was so great because it was so true to the British style Yet it had a bit of locality to it, obviously a little bit of southern flavor. So you had your sandwiches, obviously crust crud off, uh, crusts, crusts cut off, excuse me. And then you also had uh, your savory scone with uh, clotted cream and strawberry preserves. And then you had sweets. Uh, there was a small cake, and there was a, a macaron, and uh, there was just uh, it was just a really excellent spread uh, of, um, of of choice. And the tea was traditional English breakfast tea served in a pot. So, so perfectly done. But I will say this. The only thing about it that was off was they brought us cream. They wanted to bring us cream and not milk. So we had to ask for milk instead of cream 
for the tea. Um, but but these things are available and they are around. So like whether you're in Athens or whether you're in Griffin, like just search around. There's loads of places where you know instead of just hearing Andy and I talk about it, you can go experience it, or or you can do it at home. You you can do it at home. You can do your own, which is also quite fun. That's true. I there is like the place destination tea lists, and we're going to talk to the woman Angela who yes. created it. But she lists places in the entire nation of by state by state where you can find proper afternoon tea. So you have there's you can always find one close to you for sure. I have to say, and I was, um, I mentioned and I talked to Angela about it too, but one of my reasons that I love tea, and I think it's such a cool custom, is that, again, you just get to kind of chit-chat with friends, talk about nice things, there's no, like, pressure, and um, you put down your phones. It's like one of the really true ways to still relax. Connect. And connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's so cool, and I was talking to her about this, too, is that I have two little girls, and, like, they still love tea parties. Yes. And it's like, you know, there's, like, a childlike kind of thing to having, getting dressed up and getting giddy about it. Sure. And it makes you kind of, I don't know, it connects you a little bit to that child inside, too, which I really love. So I think that afternoon tea is should be something that everybody tries at least once in their life, and if not, you know, definitely when they feel like they can make an afternoon of it for sure. Uh, you know, for me, it's like, you know, in a, in a, in a such a fast-paced and interconnected world, right, it was such a great thing to, you know, go and have that time where, you know, my wife, uh, Anna, and my, my mom, Kathy, we all three sat down. We all enjoyed, you know, I got to, you know, share a bit of, of my experience, um, you know, you know, from, you know, having a British family, you know, half my family's British, um, you know, that, that she's never gotten to enjoy. So we were able to share, you know, part of an experience with her who's never, she's never actually gotten to go to the UK. So in there, put the phones down, you know, connect mm-hmm. and enjoy everything and talk about tradition, you know, and Anna was talking about, you know, places where she had had tea and, and, and how, and, you know, just sharing her experience. So like, you know, like I said, an incredibly tasty and enjoyable way to unplug and connect with your with your loved ones and and it's it's just a I don't know such an interesting thing. I think now it would probably be a great time to jump into your interview with yeah. Angela from uh, from Destination, Destination Tea, tea. and uh, and and see what uh, see what all she had to say. Yeah, it's she loves tea and I think hearing her talk about her favorite places and everything else and why she created the website would be really fun for everybody. All right, let's jump right in. The first thing that's important to know about me is that I am Italian American and I grew up middle class in New Jersey. So I didn't know what afternoon tea was at all. It is not a thing in Italian custom. And I've I've also learned since then that Italians usually drink herbal teas medicinally. So a tea drinking, you know, because there's their drink is coffee. Mm -hmm. The tea drinking habit is not really that strong. So I was 28 years old because I had moved down to Atlanta and we were starting our family down here. We live in Dunwoody. And I was 28 years old the first time I discovered afternoon tea. And this is essentially why Destination Tea exists because I was like, what is this? Why did I not know about this? Like every Italian needs to know about this immediately because yeah. it's delicious food. It's like everything made from scratch. And I, I can tell you, I can tell you later um, about my favorite place and the magical experience I had that brought me to all of this. 
but I wanted you to um, know that I've learned some very interesting things in the years since I like I just I started Destination Tea ten years after I first started going to afternoon tea, and I was staying home with my children at that time. So when they went into school, when the youngest went to school, I, I had a background in public relations, and I I said, you know what, I'm gonna promote something that I wish someone had told me about sooner because of everything you've said, like how necessary it is in our lives, how magical, how it slows us down, how it is like a reprieve, especially for um, parents, moms, mm -hmm. you know, people that are so busy all the time. You put your phone away, you sit down, it's a leisurely meal. Um, so anyway, this was, this is the mission of Destination Tea essentially is to help people find where it's served because as I started wanting to find afternoon tea when I traveled or when I got together with Mike, by the way, I've recruited everyone I know at this point to right. afternoon tea. So it is a known thing that when we travel, first thing on the itinerary, where are we going to afternoon tea? Um, so that was part of why I wanted to start Destination Tea because in my online searches, I was having a hard time finding where mm -hmm. it was being served. So um, that's kind of, that's basically like the origin story of um, Destination Tea. But the interesting thing is, you know, to run the website, I did a lot of, I read everything I could get my hands on about the history of afternoon tea. Um, and then now the website is six years old because it started in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I'm just watching the analytics. And that is also teaching me so much, you know, just watching the changes in, you know, every year we kind of produce an infographic we call the United States of afternoon tea. And so just watching where most of the afternoon tea venues are, watching where the new ones are cropping up and the differences in their menus and behaviors. So it's like, I'm learning about the industry just by tracking it. Um, and here are some surprising people. Yes, I want this. Yes. <laughs> um, because this may knock your socks off because you were saying, oh, it's an antiquated custom. Our largest demographic on Destination Tea is the 25 to 34 year old. That's really cool, though. It's awesome. Now, yeah. here's another thing I noticed before I had, you know, any kind of um, website analytics. Every 20 years, there's a new slew of tea party, afternoon tea, tea time books that is published almost clockwork. Like, you know, because what I did first was go to the library and I pulled mm -hmm. everything I could, especially because it's a historical tradition. I wanted those books that were closer to the original time of afternoon tea and see what were people saying about it. And my theory was that every new generation of young mothers and their children gets really into that afternoon tea and that tea party again. And mm -hmm. that's why the books came out um, again. So you, you're right. Like there definitely is something to it and something about mothers going with their children. I actually was at um, Mother's Day tea for the, I'm going to get this wrong, the Center for Civic Innovation with these like amazing women, black women in Atlanta who are working on all of this amazing social. And by the way, this is another gorgeous thing about afternoon tea. This is, historical women meeting over tea to change to change the world to change their communities and that's what these women are doing they're working on social impact work in, inside of atlanta and so they're getting together to have this moment to just reconnect to one another just have some leisure for themselves and we were actually talking about all of this as you know some of the women at the table were saying listen for the girls in our family it's a rite of passage 
Mm-hmm. When are you old enough to come to afternoon tea with the rest of us? Or, and, or we use it to teach etiquette and the customs and culture of our family. Come to the afternoon tea. This is how you dress. This is how we behave. You know, the little, there's a lot of afternoon tea etiquette about, you know, how you use all the different um, cutlery and moving parts. So it's an opportunity. I actually wrote a post for Destination Tea called um, What Afternoon Tea Teaches Our Children. And so there's a lot of beautiful, you know, it's a vehicle to teach all of these, these things. And by the way, you know, beyond the etiquette, think about what that's like for a child to be included and sit at that table and listen to the women in their family and friend group, listen to the culture and listen to the stories. And usually this can become multi-generational, you know, so my grandmother into her 90s was at the afternoon tea table with my children and she's sharing memories and songs. Um, You know, she sang for us a little bit one time, I remember at afternoon tea, but you know, just absorbing the family culture and kind of that fabric of this is who we are and you get to sit there. You know, we, our society is becoming really casual. Mm-hmm. And so to have something a little bit more formal, a little bit more special and quiet and slower. And, and you know, we joke around, somebody said the conversation is the meal and it is. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing there is we're reconnecting. That's why it's so special. And we expect, and, and thankfully, because, you know, serving afternoon tea is a labor of love, right? Mm-hmm. The profit margins are not, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. You're making maybe like 10 recipes on that afternoon tea tray, usually totally from scratch. It's a gift that anyone would, you know, put on this meal for someone else. So to be able to go in there and experience that and slow down and say, okay, well, guess what? That's, that is an opportunity that the tea room owners provide because they understand. We always say, you know, I talk to a lot of the tea room owners throughout the year and we always say it's a labor of love. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't be doing this for the money. They, you mm-hmm. know, they do. And I don't want to, a lot of these women are, and I say women, most of them are women. They're not all women, but a lot, you know, and we can talk about that too, like why historically the tea room is the domain of, of women, which that's another really cool thing, especially in this country. But, um, you know, these women are understanding the value and, and the real value behind all of the hard work that they're doing. But many of them, because they, we say like, you know, the three-year point is the, like the make or break point for a tea room. Mm-hmm. And so many of them who have longstanding tea rooms have been extremely savvy and creative, you know, about these are business women. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not like, I don't want to paint it like, oh, okay, you know, um, their sacrifice, we're taking advantage of their sacrifice, right? They're sacrificing themselves for this. No, they actually have, you know, they develop different clever revenue streams and stuff that they can keep their business afloat, but truly it's like a gift that they're giving. You know, a lot of the afternoon, okay, so the afternoon teas in this country can cost $75. Usually around 60, I think, yeah. If you go, but I was just updating one of the directories yesterday. There are, 
just as many places in this country that serve it for like 20 or $30 still. I mean, that's afternoon tea. Yeah. I mean, that's good though. Cause I think that people, I mean, uh, for me, cause I'm not, I don't know if you, I'm not a big person. So for me, afternoon tea is, is a lot. It's a lot of food, you know, it is. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that it is a lot of, you know, the sandwiches with the little crust cut. I mean, there's a, the scones and the clotted cream, like there's a usually, you know, many tiers and many different, you know, things to taste throughout afternoon tea. So it is a labor of love for sure. Yeah, it is. And well, and you're, do you, oh, I'm not supposed to be interviewing you. No, that's okay. You can ask a question. <laughs> I'm going to get curious. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, do, do you work with any afternoon tea venues and kind of help them develop their menu and pair some of your teas with their? We haven't. A lot of it is just our, I mean, you know, we have a factory here where we make everything. So for us, we spend so much time making the product that I don't have a lot of time to sell the product. So we sell mostly online and think and we, I sell to some, I do some wholesale and we do mostly hotels and things like that. Like, and we we're working on more coffee shops and more venues like that as I get more people that I can trust to kind of make the tea. But I think a lot of it is that it's hard to make it and sell it at the same time. And it is still me pretty much running the show. So it's a lot to do, but I think that we have, I met with somebody in Griffin and she just opened a tea, a, a, a afternoon tea place. I didn't even check if it was on there. It's really new. How about it? Okay. Thank you. And I'll remember the name of it. I'll, I'll find it for you. And if but I'll check and see, but anyway, it might be on there. I, I, we would love to, I think, I mean, I think for us, it would be a super special thing to do to be able to work with somebody on that, but yeah. So we just had the first tea party for the Atlanta tea professionals this February and it was very exciting because you know we have some um, tea shops in Atlanta Mm -hmm. that could be supplying the tea rooms Mm -hmm. so they were meeting each other that's really Um, good yeah it's I, I would love to see that and you know that's the thing historically like um tea rooms were the American woman's entree into the restaurant industry so it's a very you know at this time it's a female dominant but I will say we have we are seeing like 25 percent of our visitors are men Hmm. so it's you know people expect it's like you know the girls my grandfather used to call it a hen party but um the the guys are coming out and the guys are starting to get into it so I think millennials and especially millennial guys or you know all millennials it's now becoming trendy so I think as it trends that's gonna you'll probably end up seeing that we do a lot of grass marketing campaigns like so we do a lot of like shows so we're doing MomoCon which is in Atlanta it's like it's huge it's Memorial Day and so we do tastings there and things like that and so I would say that for us it's 50-50 if not more men coming up wanting to try tea than women and particularly in that millennial demographic. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Pinterest does this Pinterest predicts thing every year. Mm-hmm. And for 2022, they predicted that afternoon tea would become the new happy hour. Oh, so that's interesting. On, yeah, all of their boards and who was pinning, you know, and, you know, let me think. It was in 2021 that 
Google and Pinterest, and there's another one that I'm forgetting, started reporting that searches were going up for things like vintage tea sets, teacups, all of this, you know, uh, the entire tea service. And then also, you know, like the lace gloves, all of the things around that afternoon tea ritual because of Bridgerton. Oh, wow. Bridgerton was so popular. And that came out, when did it come out? December 2020, right? I, it's on Netflix. I'm not sure. I can look it's into it, but yeah. Or 2021. Anyway, and so all these searches just blew up. And, the, and here's the irony. Here's the funny thing. Historically, afternoon tea began in the 1830s. Mm-hmm. And Bridgerton is Regency, which is about 20 years earlier. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter. Like people just are so excited about the glamour and the feel and the and the historical feeling of all of these things that it's just and and I can tell you, okay, I I brought this, I prepared this so that I could share it with you. I can tell you that in the United States in 2019, we had about 1,400 afternoon tea venues in our directories. And that okay. went down, obviously, during the COVID. pandemic, right? But it went down by about 8.6%. And the restaurant industry closed, like their closings were more like 10%. So it's a little bit, they did a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And then in 2021, they started to come back. Mm-hmm. So now in 2022, we're at about 1,300. So 1,400, they went down to like less than 13, like in the high 1200s. And then now we're back. So even still, you think about it, it's not very many. Mm-hmm. It's a small, you know, it's a very special thing um, to find a place that's serving the afternoon tea, but it is rising. Even in 2021, when some places were still closing because they were saying, okay, this has just been too hard. Like we've tried to stay open, but we can't stay afloat. Even that year, there were new tea rooms opening. In that year, in Athens, the Cafe on Lumpkin opened during the pandemic, and their afternoon tea is awesome. I recommend it. Are there places in the country or cities that have more venues for afternoon tea? Well, New York City, I mean, it's yeah. well, that's I mean, yeah. not surprising. <laughs> it's I mean, like okay. populated cities, but there are a couple of surprises. So, like, we keep a list of the top cities New York City, LA. Um, I'm thinking there's another Florida, Atlanta is one of the top cities. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got some surprise cities like um, Charleston. Has mm-hmm. That it doesn't surprise me because of the Charleston tea factory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the plantation, right. Oh, sorry, now they're not the plantation. No, it's the tea garden now. Yeah, thank you. Um, there is Savannah, has a good amount. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. a, there's several in Texas. I mean, it's huge, but now there, there's another thing. Okay. So let's talk about the menus because then I'm going to explain how the tea room in the United States, what, someone talking to me recently was like, I want to differentiate between the British tea room and the American tea room. Um, so what, what happens? Okay. Is that there's the original afternoon tea menu, which actually did not even have scones in it. That happened like in the late 1800s. I think they said, yeah, like 19 something. Yeah. So the original afternoon tea menu was like very few things, right? Because, and it was before, you know, everybody always talks about Anna, um, but it was before she popularized it basically. Like she made it cool, but Mm -hmm. it was in the 1830s because what had happened, you have to, okay. So the origin story is it was after dinner, it was the social time. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And that, and by the way, if you ever go to um, Savannah and you can go to the Davenport house museum, mm-hmm. they do a reenactment in the spring of like basically a Jane Austen era. Oh, that's cool. Daytime. And it's fabulous. They ha- actually dress the part. You're their guests and they invite you in. And it was just like a, a social hour. And th- what's the gossip? What's the latest mm-hmm. news? What's going on in Washington? You know, they would serve, first of all, you would not be at a table, right? Everyone's kind of in chairs in the drawing room. So you would, and you're dressed nicely. So they would serve something very dainty that you could take with your fingers because you've got your your teacup in one hand and mm-hmm. we literally went through the experience with them. So you you know, you're sitting and you've got your teacup and you've got a nap in your lap and you've got a little, a little cake plate or a little tea plate, we would call it. And they served us like a slice of a bread, you know, that's not very crumbly. And maybe, you know, they would drizzle a little honey on it or something. This, or they maybe would have like a little toast. So it was like, there was no real food menu mm-hmm. with the tea ritual at that time. So that was still true all the way into the early 1800s. But then electricity came. And when electricity came, the dinner got pushed way later into the evening and the tea ritual jumped up into the afternoon. In the 1830s, when they were starting to use it as, you know, you would call on someone in the afternoon. And this, uh, this is a perfect way to get into the difference between afternoon tea and high tea. So when you would call on someone in the afternoon, they would start serving the, this is when the cookbook started coming out. And there would be like more and more different treats, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it wouldn't, you know, first it would be like some simple things, like a little bite here and there, because you're, it's in between the two meals and lunch and dinner. Then it started expanding. And it, it was really, truthfully, the hotels in the early 20th century, in the early 1900s, that standardized that three-tiered tray with three courses, and that they always included scones. And a lot of them used to do scones on the top tier because they would, because of heating issues, they would put a dome on it. They wouldn't come in the middle. You know, we, we kind of talk about the order. But anyway, yeah. the difference between afternoon tea in that upper class home and high tea is that high tea was the working class supper. So it was, we get confused now, especially English speaking people, because we think of high society, high culture, high fashion. We think that's fancy. So we hear high tea and we're like, oh, fancy high tea. But it's not, it's the dinner. Um, mm-hmm. And if you watch some British shows, they will still say in some parts of England, they'll still, still say, what's for tea? Like, what's for dinner? And so you can't, once you understand the history, you can't blend them because the working class supper <laughs> would, like, the working class people would never have enjoyed afternoon tea because they were working. So it's like, you, you can't, you can't blend them. But, you know, in this country, like, I can see on Destination Tea's um, search you know, how people are finding us. Yeah. That a li- it's like almost neck and neck, a little bit more people are searching high tea than afternoon tea. So yeah, we do kind of interchange them, but anytime I speak about it or I write an article about it, I'm always like, stop calling it high tea, everyone. Because yeah. I just like things to be historically accurate and like us to be educated about, you know, what we're talking. And the high came from the high table. Yeah. You, know, you weren't sitting on the low and there's still, it's so funny. We just went to an <laughs> afternoon tea recently where they put us on like the low couches around, like, it was like a lounge, more like a lounge oh, setting. That's right? nice. Yeah. And my girlfriend was complaining because she was like, I wish someone would have told me because maybe I would have worn a little bit of a longer skirt. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Because in, you know, at the time you would have had a floor length gown. So yeah. That's really an issue. Yeah. 
Okay. Is that good? Did I cover? Oh, and so the differences in the menus is obviously you said what afternoon tea is and then high tea would be like a hearty supper. So you'd have like meat pies or maybe pickled vegetables, cheeses, breads, tea, some dessert. And then a royal tea is an afternoon tea with champagne. Oh, see, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah. And then a celebration tea is an afternoon tea with a special occasion cake. Oh, wow. I didn't recently learned that. So there's, there's a lot of different language and, you know, people, oh, cream tea. Cream tea is just scones with clotted cream and jam and maybe lemon curd if you're lucky, because I love it. I do too. So good. I had to make a decision when I was doing the research and forming the directories because this is almost predominantly in the Southeast of the United States. Okay. Because remember what I said that like the tea room a lot of the original tea rooms in this country were like out of someone's home or like maybe they had a gas station, they would put it in there. So in, I'm from New Jersey in the Northeast, we would think of that as almost like a mom and pop mm -hmm. um, or luncheonette, we would call it, right? Because they were not serving the traditional afternoon tea menu necessarily with scones and everything, little dainty finger, you know, that's, those are kind of like a hallmarks of afternoon tea is like little dainty portions, everything's supposed mm -hmm. to be what I said before about how you're fancy and you don't necessarily have a table. Right. So that would be a more traditional afternoon tea menu. But a lot of American tea rooms basically just started making a scratch made lunch menu. Like Mary Max in downtown Atlanta, which is one of our longest standing tea rooms, is mm -hmm. not in my directories because their it's all their menu is almost like a meat and three at this point. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, and a lot of these tea rooms will also serve sweet tea rather than Mm -hmm. you know, like a, like a true loose leaf tea and all of the, yeah. all that for the menu. But I had to make a distinction because I was finding tea rooms in the Southeast that were like this. They were really like a lunch place and mm -hmm. they might even have that historic feel. They might have beautiful bone China. They might have a really fun tea, literal loose leaf tea selection. Mm -hmm. But in terms of serving an actual, like I think that is like a prefix menu that mm. afternoon tea menu with all the courses and tea, they weren't doing it. They were serving lunch. So mm. I, that's where I had to make the cutoff because I said, look, what, what then differentiates that place from like a delicious bakery that has a homemade lunch and they have great teas on the menu. Like, yeah, I agree. I see what you, and you're right because it's the experience as well as the menu too. And I, that's right. You're right about that. And, um, because, you know, I'm thinking about it and all of the places that I can think of, I do think they're tea houses and I don't know if they necessarily offer afternoon tea, which is interesting. Yeah. They're more like a coffee shop, I would say, or, you know, tea house kind of thing. But the other, th okay. So now here's the swinging the other way is I don't like, I will include afternoon tea venues that don't necessarily serve traditional afternoon tea um foods like the british foods right so one of the most popular pages on destination we we have a section that's about how to host mm -hmm. and so we put together themed tea party ideas mm -hmm. and one of the most popular pages is the traditional english afternoon tea right mm -hmm. so however i don't know a tea room just opened within the last year the owner is mexican-american so there's empanadas on them on the afternoon tea mm -hmm. tray. 
I think that's awesome. Like yeah, that's right. where I don't say, oh, it has to be the, exactly like whatever the original foods were because it's a living, breathing thing. And what mm -hmm. people are doing is they're starting to take their family's cuisine. Like we went to a place in New Jersey that was run by Italians. This, a scone is supposed to be like this big. Their scones were like as big as my face yeah. because of the Italian culture of like, we don't want you to go away hungry. Okay. <laughs> so I think that's beautiful. You know, it's like, I like that when you start to see um, in... Houston, there's an Italian restaurant inside um, a hotel where all of the, they're doing little portions, the little finger sandwiches, but they're all influenced by Italian cuisine. So like maybe instead of a cream cheese, they are using a mascarpone, mm -hmm. things like that, you know? Yeah. I think that's great. So okay. we, we include those. Okay, cool, that's cool. What was your, was your favorite place that you've ever had tea? Now, this is a, a difficult question to answer. Obviously. I'm sure, but. Um, but I, I'll, I'll tell you two that come to my mind. Okay. The one is my first. And that's my story. That's my fun story of how I learned about afternoon tea because there, and it's gone. Errol. Chambly, Georgia. And because um, I'm in Dunwoody, it's so close to my house. And when my, I have four children. When my second was a little one and I was breastfeeding, I would have time to kind of run out for like two hours and come mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. um, on like a Saturday and it would just be my break and it would be my alone. Sometimes I went there by myself with a book. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times though, I met a girlfriend there and it was so nice to just have a reason to dress up mm -hmm. and sit down and relax and someone's taking care of me. Mm -hmm. um, and I just loved it there, but guess what? I was ordering lunch. I was ordering lunch off the lunch menu. They had like dozens and dozens of loose leaf teas all of the beautiful china everything mm -hmm. old house an herb garden outside everything really affordable just beautiful just to be there and i loved it and i was ordering so much food that they kept coming and saying to me would you would you just like to try the afternoon tea it's 1750 <laughs> and i was i looked at it and i didn't remember i didn't know what it was so i didn't understand the portions were more small yeah and so i looked over the whole listing of all the foods and i was like oh i don't need all this food they must have been laughing at me in the kitchen because i was ordering so many courses as it was oh, wow. just luxuriating and sitting there and ordering like pot after pot of tea they must have been like this lady because their afternoon tea and some do do this but it's less i see it it's less common now but their afternoon tea came with a bottomless pot of tea yeah so you could go crazy like trying all their different teas it was wonderful there yeah. It was like a dream. And I finally one day was like, okay, after a year of going there, I was like, okay, sure, bring me the afternoon tea. And when they brought the tray out, I was like, what? I was like, wait, <laughs> what? What is this? What's going on? And that, and that was it. That was, and so that was obviously one of my favorite places. It was really sad. They closed just literally, they closed a couple of years after that. Wow. And um, my second really outstanding experience was in Ireland. I mean, there's so, I can't even pick one. We went to as many as we could while we were over there. You know, you're to go to afternoon tea in a place where other people 200 years ago were taking afternoon tea yeah. is so meaningful to me. So it's just these gorgeous, like historic estates. We went in a castle one day. I mean, wow. you just, you want, and I, you know, this is my personality. Like, I just want to dress the part, you know, I'm like, okay, I need something regal to wear, you know, where I need like a tiara or something. Um, but it's, 
you know, what I really love about these places that have been serving afternoon tea for a long time is that everything is on point. Mm-hmm. Everything. It's really hard to get all of these parts right for an afternoon tea, right? Yeah. The tea is delicious. They've got like a pastry chef. Everything is gorgeous china. Yeah. The setting. They've got someone playing like live piano music and you're like, yeah. oh, the whole thing is just gorgeous. And then obviously the food is just amazing. Yeah. So I I mean I have tried we the garden club here and I give the tea for that. They do like a um a Valentine's Day tea. And we do, you know, my kids have gone to some, but they haven't yet gone to a proper tea. And so that's something that we are definitely gonna do for them. And we've talked about I've I've been to tea at the Wardorf. Uh um no, 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 not um well in Atlanta, the four seasons. Oh, that property. was my favorite in Atlanta. And they yeah. stopped doing it. They stopped I doing know. it years ago. Yeah. I know. That, and I, so, you know, that was, yeah, that was spectacular. That one was, yeah, for sure. I would try the St. Regis if you were going to do an Atlanta. That's what Roland said. He knows. I think he knows them there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got all the connections. Yeah, he know. Yeah. And then um, the he... The Ritz, I don't think the Ritz downtown does it anymore either. I have to ask. They do it twice a year for um, a spring tea, which I just went to, and a Christmas tea. And it's really? just over the top. It's, I think, yeah. $100 a person. And it's just, they have like a photo booth and they have, That's like this, for the spring one, they had the Easter bunny jumping around. Oh, wow. We're going to, I'm going to put it on my calendar. I'll look and see when they're doing it. But I want to, that's something that I think would be really fun too. Barone teas are artisan teas, made and mixed in small batches. Their proprietary formulas are designed for holistic wellness without sacrificing taste, so you can get all the benefits of the herbs and full-leaf tea leaves along with amazing flavors. Flavors like southern pecan, peach berry, magnolia, and peach blossoms bring southern scents home to your mug. Their organic blends are packaged in biodegradable pyramid tea bags, so you know you are getting the finest herbs and teas out there without any extra chemicals. Their herbal formulas are designed to aid you on many different levels, from top to bottom and from inside to outside. Their black and green teas are made from whole leaf teas, never powdered, and that allows for more antioxidants and goodness in each cup. They believe the act of sipping a beautiful cup of tea can be just as healing as the tea itself. So go visit Barone Teas and try them out for yourself. Start your mornings with a cup of Barone tea and help make your day a bit more magical. Tea Fascination's theme music is No Clouds, performed by Ketza. Tea Fascination is recorded, mixed, and edited by Duncross Media. For all your digital marketing needs, go to www.duncrossmedia.com. With nearly a decade's experience in digital marketing, Duncross Media is an effective and affordable option for all your digital marketing needs.